0: Every person in this room who believes in God, and some who probably wonder about God's existence, at one time or another in his or her life has asked, what does God want from me? What is God's will for me? It's the most commonly asked question of pastors. And people go to all kinds of lengths, all kinds of extremes to try to find God's will? Well, we're in a three-part series where we're talking about that very topic. Last week, we looked at a passage that I memorized years ago, three little verses that in my version go like this. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In the NIV text that we're using, it reads something like this. Be joyful always, pray continually, and that's verse 17 that we're dealing with today. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And by the way, I want to make a plug right here for next weekend. You don't want to miss next weekend, because I believe there's a sense in which, as we look at verse 18 about giving thanks just before Thanksgiving, as we talk about that in all circumstances, and we're going to get to the why. Why would God want us to do this? Why would God expect this sort of mindset and attitude from us? Because that's what this really is. He's looking for this to become a part of our character, our daily habits. It's literally just our default mode. It's the way we think as we go through life. Why next week I'm going to unveil that part, which kind of brings it all together. I I don't want you to miss that. But today, let's focus on this little phrase right here, pray continually. Now, some of you are already going, Pastor, that's way beyond my capacity. I mean, sir, I struggle just to pray sporadically. I struggle to pray occasionally. Are you kidding me? This is way beyond the realm of possibility for me. But hold on. Before you dismiss it, I think we need to talk about what prayer really is, what it means to you, and the definition we get biblically of prayer. I'm going to suggest to you that prayer is simply a conversation between you and God. By the way... I spent a number of years with the Billy Graham team, and Mr. Graham would always talk to these new Jesus followers right after they had opened their life to Christ. And he always gave a a, a little instruction to them, kind of their first bottle of milk as new babies in Christ, if you will. And you know, he said, you need to pray every day. And he said these words, prayer is like a conversation. He said, you don't need fancy words. You talk to God like you're talking to your best friend. And so I think this is a decent, although simple, definition. It's it's simply a conversation between you and God. Now, we can relate to conversations. Most of us have them all day, every day. By the way, do you know that women talk more than men? Did you know that? Okay, I hope you know that. Uh, men, experts tell us, have an average of seven to eight thousand words a day that we use, on average. Some less, obviously. Some more. Introverts, extroverts, it's going to be different. But an average of seven to eight thousand words. A day. Women, on the other hand, have about twenty thousand words a day. Now, when I've spoken to women and said, Do "You guys," Do you know that you talk two and a half times more than we do? They say, yeah, it's because you men never listen and we have to repeat things <laughs> two or three times. That was a feminine laugh, by the way, right there. I can, I can tell a feminine laugh from a masculine one any time. Conversations with people are important. But now I want to talk to you about your conversation with God and break that down. The first sign of a good conversation, if you're taking notes, you may want to jump in here. The first sign of a good conversation is that someone is talking. If prayer is like a conversation, it means, first of all, that we're talking. It involves talking to God. When you pray, you're not simply talking to him about your day. You're going deeper than that. You're sharing your feelings. You're sharing your fears. You're being vulnerable because if it's a conversation like you would have with your best friend, you trust your best friend, right? I hope. You're willing to be vulnerable to your best friend. God wants us to be raw and vulnerable to him. By the way, that little book in your Bible called the Psalms, it's really the Psalter. It's the hymn book of the early church, but it's really more than that. It's prayers put to music. That's what it mostly is. It's really kind of different kinds of prayers, mostly, put to music. Consider the questions in some of those prayers. Take Psalm 13. How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide ver- your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have this struggle in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord. Give joy to my heart. And on and on it goes. There's these questions all throughout the Psalms, and we need to be willing to ask God the tough questions and Talk to him about how we feel. And by the way, if if it shocks you that we should be raw and vulnerable and open to God and use the kind of raw language that the Psalms do, please understand that pretense and faking it with God is ridiculous. Here's why. He knows your thoughts before you think them. He knows your motives of everything you do. That's sobering, isn't it? We can't fake it with God. We we can say one thing, but he knows what we really mean. So we might as well be honest when we pray. And that's what scripture instructs us to do when we're having a conversation with God. Jesus also, in talking about prayer, he said this in Matthew 6. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before before you ask him. And by the way, it's perfectly okay. In fact, I would encourage you to pray for yourself. We all have needs, right? Life is tough, and sometimes life is like a battle. So we have all these different needs. We need to bring them to God. It's perfectly okay to pray for your personal needs. Pray that God will give you good health, He's not apathetic to how you feel and how you're doing. Scripture says that God is not this deistic, impassive God who created and put the world in motion and then left it. That's not the God of the Bible. That's not the Father, the loving Father Jesus revealed. Jesus said he knows the very number of hairs on your head. And so he cares about how you're doing. So you should pray about your health. James 5.14 says, is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And by the way, people are prayed for like that every single week at our various campuses that are a part of grace. We practice that, it's not always elders technically, but it's pastors and it's church leaders of different kinds and small group leaders regularly pray for the people that they're discipling in their small groups and so on. Our prayer teams are very active in lifting up people's needs before God. So pray for your health. By the way, do you know scripture also instructs us to pray for our governmental leaders? It really does. Paul writing in 1 Timothy chapter 2 says, I urge therefore that that request, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority so that we may lead peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. When I first really got that out of the Bible as a teenager, I I first began to pray for Jimmy Carter. Some of you remember him. Let me go, who was that, right? All the millennials are going, I don't remember that guy. Uh, I began to pray for him. And every president since Carter, I have made a point in my daily prayers, and I don't do it every single day, but in my regular prayer times, I lift our leaders up to God. I may not even like the leader. I may not, I may not like their politics at all. But we're commanded in Scripture to bring our presidents, our governors, our senators, our legislative people, our mayors, all before the Lord and ask God to help them because God's interested in stable, stable environments. Peace, Paul said. He wants us to live in peace. So I hope that you'll make it a point to pray for uh, our new president-elect, as well as President Obama and all of our government officials. Another thing Scripture tells us we ought to pray for as we have this conversation with God is that God would send out workers in his harvest field. This is one of my favorite prayers to pray. In fact, I would say at Grace Fellowship for the last 23 years, I've probably prayed this single prayer as much as any prayer when it comes to this church. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 9, 37 and 38. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray, therefore, that the Lord of the harvest will send out workers into his harvest field. And so I just regularly ask God, would you, would you equip people? Would you show us who they are? Would you equip them? Would you get them ready? And would you send them out? We need more workers in the harvest of the kingdom. And by the way, when you pray that prayer, something that's that clear in Scripture, you know, you know that you're praying In God's will and pray for people who don't know Christ yet you've got them in your family probably your relatives your neighbors your co-workers your friends you know folks we ought to talk to God about people before we talk to people about God I hope you understand how profound that really is now listen Don't misunderstand me. We ought to talk to people about God, about spiritual realities. But often our problem is we're quicker to do that than we are to talk to God about people. There's a book on prayer and fasting by Rodney Floyd. And Floyd makes this statement. If we prayed for souls to come to Christ, half as much as we prayed for people to get healed, the church could not contain all the people. And I believe Floyd is absolutely right. So I could go on and on. There's lots of things scripturally that God has shown us we need to be praying for. But some of you are sitting there and you're going, but pastor, I just get confused about what to pray for. You know, there's so many things. I mean, where do I even start? I feel confused. Well, don't despair. The Holy Spirit knows how to pray. And Paul writes in Romans 8.26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. We could all say amen to that sometimes, right? Boy, you just you feel stymied. It's like you're paralyzed. You there's so many things. Where do I focus, right? But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Now, most Christians I know express that they feel like they will never be a great prayer warrior. They say, I'm just just not a good prayer. It's it's just not the way I'm wired. Well, what if you said that to your spouse when you got married? You know, I know, hon, that everybody says communication's important, and I suppose it is. I mean, everybody says it is, but... You know, I'm just lousy at that. Can I just tell you right up front, I know we're just married, but can I just tell you I'm lousy at communication, so I'm just saying, be on guard. You're not going to hear much from me. Your marriage is going to be horrible. I mean, it's going to be handicapped right from the beginning. You may not start off as a prayer giant, but we can all improve and grow in our prayer life. All right. Now, some of you say, okay, pastor. Okay, I get it. I get it. There's lots of things we can pray for. And even when we feel stymied, the Holy Spirit is praying for us. I get it. But get practical with me, would you? Tell me some ways that I can become better at this. I'm so glad you asked. Number one, try to have a set time and place to pray. As I read the biographies, and I love the biographies of great women and men of God down through the ages, 95% of them, as far as I can tell, who were excellent prayer warriors, 95% of them had a time and a place designated. He said, wait a minute, I thought we were talking about praying continually today. We are. Yeah, you can pray anywhere, you can pray anytime, anyplace, place." But the great prayers usually have a set place and a set time where they get a focus on prayer. Number two, I would encourage you, if you want to grow in this area, to remove the distractions. Now, I pray in many different places, but when I pray in my office at church, I like to close the door. I like to close the blind on the door. I literally shut the computer down. There's no temptation to look at it. I take my phone. I put it on airplane mode. So there's no possibility of a text or a call coming through for this time only. As soon as I'm done, I take it off of airplane mode. I, because it helps me remove the distractions, I light a candle usually. I have all these candles around. I light a candle. It's just a thing that helps set that mood of prayer for me, and I try to remove as many distractions as I can. Third, praise and thank God. When we're new at prayer, our tendency is to come rushing into his presence, just telling him all the things we need, right? Right? I want this, and I want this, and would you please do that? But it really enriches our prayer experience if we start with praise and adoration and thanksgiving. God, I thank you for your amazing grace in my life. You're so good to me. I thank you for your power and your unfailing love. And I, I like to begin by singing a song or two. I'm not a singer, but God knows that. And he sees the attitude of the heart And it it gets me ready. And, you know, usually by the time I've praised and thanked God, my little requests seem so piddly by that point. They've really kind of dimmed in the light of his glory and grace. Fourth, confess your sins and your fears. You know what I've found through the years? When I'm willing to confess my fears to God, he not only helps me with my fears but he helps me be honest about my failures because often fears and failures are closely linked. God already knows our sins. We might as well be honest and confess them. Confess where you feel inadequate. Confess areas where you've blown it and you really need to grow. Five, pray that you will walk by the Spirit. Now let me say a very poignant, very personal word to some of you at each of our different locations today. I don't know all of you, but I tell you, the folks that I know in this church, can I I just speak a personal? Some of you are incredibly gifted people. You're intelligent. You're so insightful. Many of you can communicate incredibly well, You've had awesome experiences in life. Many of you are leaders with fabulous gifting. You've got skills and talents that are unbelievable. Are you still listening to me? That great strength of yours may be your greatest handicap. Because the most talented people are always tempted to kind of say, God, I got this. Thanks very much, but I can just do this on my own. And we have a tendency not to walk in step with the Spirit moment by moment, day after day, and say, God, I'm in way over my head, no matter how confident I feel. I need your strength to get me through this, or else I'm going to mess it up when I try to do it in the flesh. Now, I hope that those five things could help jumpstart your conversation with God. But it's not just talking, Right? There's another vital part to any healthy conversation, and that is listening, listening. James 1.19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be, catch these words, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, I, I don't have a survey to back this up. I don't have any statistical data. But my guess is that most of us struggle more with listening than talking. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I, I, I know a lot of people. I, I, I know probably a few thousand people, honestly. I can tell you, I don't know many that struggle with talking. But I know a bunch of you struggle with listening, you really don't stop and listen very much. Can I tell you something else that exacerbates this issue in our culture? You can hardly go anywhere without noise. Now maybe I'm a little more sensitized to this because often throughout my day, just this personal practice that I have, I'm often, wherever I go, I'm rehearsing some scripture of some kind or another. And that's kind of harder to do if there's noise going on, music or something Somebody talking. So I'm a little more sensitized to that. It's always a little frustrating to me because I'm trying to kind of review and reflect on the scripture and there's all this noise going on. But I want to tell you, whether you're walking through the mall or going into that restaurant or that shop or that store, it's hard to get away from noise. And yet scripture says, be still and know that I am God. It's hard to be still and quiet in a world of noise. C.S. Lewis The great Oxford scholar speaks to this issue in his letters on prayer. He says, and I quote, It comes the very moment you wake up each morning. All your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. Sound familiar? And the first job each morning consists simply in shoving them all back, he says. In listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other larger stronger quieter life come flowing in and so on all day long standing back from all your natural fussings and frettings i love that phrase coming in and out of the wind do you want to get better at the conversation with god i believe most of you really do deep in your heart well let me give you some practical suggestions for listening better to God. Number one, have some Christian music to listen to. Now, some of you are going, dude, are you schizophrenic? You just talked about noise. I would think the first one would be, look, get silent and quiet before Almighty God. Well, I think that's too big of a stretch for most people to start that way, honestly. In fact, in my conversations with people, I find that in our culture, honestly, people freak out with silence. I mean, try it in church. They freak out. If, you, if you're silent for 30 seconds, people can hardly stand it. Silence is too uncomfortable. So I'm just assuming that that would be too uncomfortable for most people. So if you can go there right away, do it. But I, I honestly believe, again, that some Christian music Whatever floats your boat, it doesn't matter what the style is, to get you focused on a spirit of worship and prayer is a good place to start your listening. Second, listen to scriptures being read to you. I'll tell you, one of the blessings of the internet and computers is that you can go to a website like Bible Gateway. You can go to Bible Gateway or any number of others, and you can just click on any passage you want and have it read to you. Have you ever tried the dramatic readings? I mean, it's like, it's like incredible, you know? It's got music behind it that swells and ebbs and flows with the emotion of the passage. So it's a blessing to have Scripture read. Third, begin your day. This is a big one. In fact, I'm, I'm about to tell you something right now that could totally change your life. You think, I'm exaggerating. I'm not. If you do number three here, you honestly may get on a totally different plane of Christian living. Begin your day by praying Samuel's prayer. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Remember that story from the Old Testament? Little Samuel. Little Samuel is Having God speak to him and Eli, the older priest, gives him some counsel. Says, next time you sense God, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. What an amazing prayer. You can do it in the morning. Noontime, as you're going throughout your day and you're sensing, boy, I'd love to just sense God's presence a little more. I'd love to just kind of get a word from God here, some prompting from God. Speak, Lord for your servant is listening. Four, surround yourself with good Christian friends who can speak truth to you. Many of the messages God wants you and me to get, he wants to speak to us through the people who are really close and really love us. I had a man in our church say to me recently, I was struck by this, he said, It was a revolutionary day in my Christian life when I realized God could speak to me through my wife. (laughs) He said before, I didn't think he could. I thought God's going to deal directly with me. He's going to speak to me through his word. He's going to prompt me with things, but he, he would never speak to me through my wife. He said, oh, was I wrong? God can speak to you through your spouse. I hope you've got some godly, and I mean mature, wise christian friends around you who can speak truth into your life. Can, can, I know I'm being blunt here. Got to tell you the problem with some of you, you're surrounded by fools all day long. I know that's blunt. But some of you your only friends are fools by biblical definitions. Seriously, They just repeat the same old mistakes over and over again. They're acting foolishly over and over again. You're surrounded by fools. Guess what? All you get is foolish advice. And yet some of you are running your lives by that advice that's coming directly from foolish people. But if you've got godly, wise, mature, biblically grounded, spirit-led people around you, God may often choose to speak into your life through those people. Number five, have a journal to record what you're learning. Now, I'm not a great journaler, but for years now I have journaled, and those journals are precious to me. I can go back and read them and find out what God was teaching me five years ago and that season of life I was going through, and it blesses me to go back and look at that, and it reminds me of lessons that God is teaching. I hope those five things will help you be a better listener when you're praying. But Before we leave that and move on to the final major key point of the day, I just wanna say a quick word to you about corporate listening. Now, all I've been talking to you about is personal words from God in private settings or among friends. But you know, when we come together corporately like we're doing right now, today, Do You know, we come together, among other things, and boy, I sure hope this is one of your motivations when we come together. We come together, brothers and sisters, to get a word from God, do we not? We need a word from God. And so when we come together corporately in community like this, it's the same kind of deal. We've got to be listening. We've got to be listening. And so it may be through a word spoken in a baptism. It may be a phrase in a song. It might be something someone says in a a public prayer in in the worship service. It might be through something in the message from God's word. It might be someone, a greeter at the door says to you when you're having a bad day. But I urge you when you come together corporately to pray Samuel's prayer here also. Speak, Lord. For your servant is listening. Every time we come to corporate worship, we are to be listening for a personal message from God. And by the way, it encourages me that so many of you say to me on a regular basis, wow, have you bugged my home this week? Have you been been listening in on my conversation? It's crazy how relevant and personal what you said today was to me. I just think that's the Holy Spirit giving you a personal word from God, from his word. And finally, one more piece to this puzzle. It's a tough one for most of us, and that is talking and listening continually. How do we get this praying without ceasing mentality? How do we get our arms around this? Because still, some of us are going, how can I pray all the time? I still don't understand this. This verse has always been confusing to me. I mean, pastor, am I not supposed to be with my family? I mean, come on. am Am I not supposed to be engaged when I'm at work? I mean, my goodness, I'll lose my job if I'm praying continually. I've received questions like that on a regular basis. What is this about? Praying without ceasing is a mindset. Praying without ceasing is a habit of the heart. Praying without ceasing is a realization. It's an understanding that God the Father is always working. Jesus said he was. Jesus said, my Father's always working. And so praying without ceasing is this understanding that, hey... God has invited us to get in on his work. And so we keep this open attitude as we go into the day. Our spirit is listening. We're open. We're having this ongoing, never-ending dialogue with God that's wide open where we say, Lord, I want to represent you so well. I want to be on every, in on everything you're doing today that I could possibly get in on. That's what praying without ceasing is all about. It's an ongoing, continuing conversation with God. And by the way, if you've been a Jesus follower for a long time, I just want to challenge you with this. Just like in any relationship, you'd show me any human relationship, if conversation is strained, that relationship has got some problems. Well, guess what? If prayer is not healthy and vibrant, if that conversation is not going on, you've got a challenge-strained relationship with God. And it needs to be addressed. You can pray anytime, any place. You can pray going down the road. Prayer without ceasing is a habit of the heart. And Jesus modeled this in his life. As I read the gospels, I see 33 different occasions where Jesus withdrew in some manner from the masses and from the crowds in order to get some more concentrated, focused time with his Father. One of those times was for 40 days. And here's my point, if the son of the living God, if Jesus Christ our Lord Sensed that compulsion to have an interaction with his heavenly Father, how much more should you and I? But sadly, we see prayer as a chore, not an honor. We see it as a practice, not a privilege. Max Lucado writes the following words: "You want to know how to deepen your prayer life? Pray." <laughs> Pray, just pray, but don't think about it too much. Don't be so concerned about wrapping the gift that you never give it. Better to pray awkwardly than not at all. What great words. Better to pray awkwardly than not at all. Samuel Chadwick, a Christian leader of another generation, wrote these poignant words. The one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. So here's my question to you in closing. Is God going to hear you Call on him in conversation more this coming week than he heard you call on him last week. I encourage you, brothers and sisters, to grow in the practice of prayer. You'll be well on your way to praying without ceasing. Father, thank you for calling us into this privilege It is a privileged thing to have a conversation with you. So even those of us who followed you for many years, I pray that you would deepen our prayer life. Help us to have a mindset, moment by moment, that you're at work and we want to get in on it. We want to keep the conversation going so we're aware, we're sensitive to every little move of the Spirit. That's our desire, Father, because we want to represent you well in this world and bring you glory. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen.